0: Contrary to popular belief this past offseason, Florida quarterback Graham Mertz could actually offer some challenges for South Carolina's defense. We'll touch on that and more on this Thursday edition of Locked On Gamecocks. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast the host of this podcast and also a staff fire for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank y'all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first watch or listen every day for your team. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case providing you with a personal supply of 5 antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at JaceMedical.com That's J-A-S-E Medical.com I really appreciate y'all bearing with me throughout the past couple days. I know I've been really bad about getting these shows out on time and all I can say is I'm really, really sorry for that. There's been some Uh, rough things going on in my own life this week. Don't worry, everything's okay, but just wanted to get that out of the way before we get into today's show, because I know that y'all look forward to this show, and I appreciate y'all sticking with me despite everything that's happened this week. So without further ado, let's get on into today's show. We're going to talk about Florida's offense a little bit, and to start out this show, I want to specifically talk about their starting quarterback in Graham Mertz, because this past off season, when Graham Mertz announced that he was transferring to the Florida Gators football program, I think that we can all agree that none of us really batted an eye on that because Graham Mertz, he had not had a great career at Wisconsin. The majority of us, I think, probably ranked him near the bottom three group of the SEC when it came to quarterback rankings. But when looking at Graham Mertz and what he's done so far this season, it's clear that he's going to offer some challenges for South Carolina's defense that we might have not originally expected. So what exactly could those challenges be? Well, in order to get a gauge on what those challenges might have been, I went back and watched Florida's game against the Tennessee volunteers because the Tennessee volunteers, they also run a four 2 five defense, kind of similar to South Carolina's mix in a little bit of man, but run a lot of zone and It was against the Florida Gators offense, I believe back in week three. So, a couple weeks into the season, by this point, most of the kinks have been worked out, at least in terms of maybe procedural issues. And it was a good game to get an idea of what exactly Graham Mertz does for this offense. And when watching this game back, the thing that I really picked up on with Graham Mertz is that he is a lot more athletic than some might originally have thought. This is a guy that is not exactly a statue in the pocket. He can scramble and move outside the pocket when the pocket collapses and when there's pressure that is brought on from a particular area of the football field. He can run and go get some yards beyond the line of scrimmage. He is also a guy that can throw the ball accurately outside the numbers near the sidelines. So why could this be an issue for South Carolina? Well, obviously, to this point in the season, the Gamecocks have struggled mightily when it comes to creating havoc plays. And when we talk about havoc plays on defense, of course, we're talking about sacks and tackles for loss. We all knew coming into this season that South Carolina was likely going to struggle a little bit when it comes to the pass rushing department, considering the losses that they had. At the defensive end position this past offseason, the fact that Jordan Stroud was coming back but coming off of a torn ACL injury he suffered in 2022, and behind him, there's just a lot of unproven commodities at that position with guys like Jataius Gere, Desmond Mayo-Zulu, Brian Thomas Jr., and while those guys have shown flashes of progressing in this area of the defense, they still have not been consistent when it comes to getting home, and so, It only makes things even more difficult when it comes to trying to shore up that area when you're facing a quarterback like Graham Mertz that is athletic enough to extend plays to where he can move outside the pocket. Now, Graham Mertz does have his moments where he also can sit back in the pocket a little bit too long trying to sort of diagnose everything that's happening down the field. And that leads me into maybe a potential issue that Graham Mertz has that South Carolina's defense could work to exploit. The Florida Gators defense, excuse me, their offense, they do not take a whole lot of chances deep down the field. They do not call a whole lot of shot plays. And this is evidenced by the fact that Graham Mertz, I got this number from, uh, from Brandon Olsen on our Wednesday crossover show that we did with the Locked On Gators host. He told me during the show that Graham Mertz adjusted depth of target is actually 5.7 yards down the field. And that might sound pretty small to y'all, and it is because that's the third worst mark in all of college football. So again, point blank, Graham Mertz does not push the ball down the field very often. Now, there's a couple reasons for this. One, I just mentioned it a couple moments ago, Graham Mertz, he's not very quick when it comes to progressing through all of his different reads when it comes to these shot plays that have multiple long-time developing routes. And the other thing is, he does not have a whole lot of real deep threats in his wide receiver core. Ricky Pearsall is by far the Gators' best receiving threat in this offense. But Pearsall, he's not exactly known for being a burner. He's known for being more of a guy that has really good hands and also is a fantastic route runner. But he's not going to burn you with necessarily 4 4 4 3 speed. The other guy to watch in this offense is Eugene Wilson. He's, I believe, a true freshman for the Gators. And he's a guy that brings a lot of juice when it comes to speed, agility, you name it. He is a threat anytime he's out there on the football field. But obviously, having just two guys that you could potentially trust to go deep down the field and make a play on those shot attempts, uh, for Billy Napier in this offensive coaching staff, that's just not good enough for their offense. And so... They do not ask, typically, a whole lot of Graham Mertz when it comes to that area of the game. They will sometimes call some play-action plays to try and sucker in the linebackers for the opposing defense and also those safeties to try to open up the field a little bit more. And if you're South Carolina, obviously, you don't want to hear about that because, Against Mississippi State a couple weeks ago, they struggled mightily defending the play action. So that could be something that maybe Florida decides to run a little bit more in this football game. But point being, for South Carolina, they do not need to look back at the press clippings that were published about Graham Mertz this past offseason. If they do that, it could end up developing some sort of narrative in their head that, you know, again... This number 15, he's nowhere near as good as maybe the number 15 that Florida had about 10, 13 years ago in Tim Tebow. And certainly, Graham Mertz is by no means Tim Tebow. But my point here is that there are certain things that he does have in his game that could pose a challenge for South Carolina's defense. A defense that, for years, has struggled when facing quarterbacks that can extend plays, that can scramble for yardage at times. And that's in spite of the fact that Graham Mertz, is not necessarily going to be a big-time threat when it comes to pushing the ball down the field. So think about sort of the matchup against Missouri this past year. The Gamecocks faced a Brady Cook. Brady Cook, although he was dealing with an injury at the time, he did not throw the ball downfield very often. They were more of a horizontal passing game mixed in with an outside run game, which I'll get more into with Florida in just a moment. But that offered challenges for South Carolina because they could not get off the field. And that's how they end up losing that football game despite having the Missouri Tigers in williams Price Stadium. If they're not careful with Graham Mertz on Saturday, the same exact scenario, at least on the defensive side, could wind up playing out once again. And so, if you're the Southcon defensive front... You better maintain your pass rushing integrity. You better make sure that you you don't basically wash yourself out of a play. Because if you do, that's when Graham Mertz can hurt you the most. So, Graham Mertz, again, he's not a superstar by any means. But there are certain parts of his game that should scare South Carolina's defense. And they're going to have to watch out for when they take the field on Saturday afternoon. Now, switching gears from what could hurt South Carolina this year to what absolutely decimated them last year, we're going to talk about Florida's ground attack. Obviously, the Gators, last year, they could have probably chosen to not throw the football once and still would have won the game by probably 24-plus points. That's just how badly this defense got battered by Florida's ground attack in 2022. So could that play out once again in 2023? And what does South Carolina, more importantly, have to do to slow down Florida's rushing attack? We're going to touch on that in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. And that's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. The Jace Case provides five life saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical makes sure that you have the right medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than three hundred and sixty dollars by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical. That plus an additional twenty dollars off by using code Locked On at checkout on JaceMedical.com. That's J A S E Medical.com promo code Locked On. All right, welcome back to this Thursday edition of the Lockdown Game Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And as always, I really appreciate each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily watch on YouTube or your daily listen wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Now, let's talk about Florida's ground attack for the next few minutes. Florida's ground attack is obviously sort of the engine that really drives that offense. I just talked about how the Gators, they do not have necessarily a deep passing attack with this offense, but the best antidote to having a lack of a deep passing game is having a really strong ground game that opposing defenses not just have to respect, but also have to really be concerned about coming into a matchup against that offense, and that is what The Florida Gators possess. The Gators have probably one of the best one-two running back tandems in the entire country with Montrell Johnson and Trevor Etienne. Obviously, everybody will recognize the Etienne name when it comes to Trevor because his older brother played for Clemson, Travis Etienne, who's now playing for the Jacksonville Jaguars in the NFL. And the thing about Trevor Etienne is he is just like his brother. He is a guy that is not necessarily big. He's not bulky. He doesn't have a ton of girth to him. However, He is pretty stocky for his shorter frame, and he also has a low center of gravity, a really low, low center of gravity, so he's got great contact balance. He is not easy to bring down on first contact. He also, therefore, can shed tackles pretty doggone easily, especially if you're not really fundamentally sound with your tackling attempt. He brings that to this Gators offense, and he also has decent ball carrier vision, which, really works well with a zone blocking scheme, which is what the Gators typically like to run with this offense. And again, we've talked about this several times now throughout the season. Zone blocking scheme basically means the offensive linemen, they're moving horizontally. They're kind of operating at a 45 degree angle, and they're blocking a particular area. So if a defender goes into their area, they're going to try to make sure that defender does not just cross-face them and goes right through the line and has a chance to make a play in the backfield. And Trevor Etienne is a really good fit for that zone blocking scheme. The other running back that they have is Montrell Johnson. Johnson is more of your prototypical power back. He's not necessarily a guy that is going to maybe break tackles as easily as Trevor Etienne with just his pure frame, but he's the guy that's going to bring a lot more power and is going to be bringing a bigger frame overall to the football field. So in essence with him, you can't just try to stand him up when trying to tackle him. So they both kind of had the same kind of game in the sense that they're guys that are going to make you really have to work hard to try to bring them to the ground. They're not going to necessarily be road burns by any means, but these are also guys that help to extend drives and can wear down a defense over the course of 60 minutes if you cannot get them off the field. And that is what happened to South Carolina's defense back in 2022. You throw in the fact that they had to worry about Anthony Richardson back there, quarterback, who could literally take any sort of option read, probably 80 yards to the house for six on any given play, then yeah, that was an absolute nightmare matchup last year for the Gamecocks. I called it then, and obviously, I don't think any of us expected them to lose 38-6 to and not score a single offensive point, but that's how the game ended up playing out. So, to get back to this year's matchup, does South Carolina have to worry about that again? I don't think so. At least, I don't think they have to worry about them rushing for around 300 yards and basically never getting off the field, because there is a couple key differences this year. One, obviously, Anthony Richardson is now gone. You put in Graham Mertz, and again, Graham Mertz, he's definitely more athletic than people give him credit for, but he's not Anthony Richardson. He's not a guy that's going to take the ball like 30-plus yards for a random scramble or carry anytime, time, any given play. So the defense isn't going to have to worry about that as much. However, Trevor Etienne and Montrell Johnson both do return for this year's Florida Gators offense. And those are two guys that you're going to have to prioritize shutting down. So how can the Gamecocks go about doing that? Well, based on the Tennessee game, again, they run more of a zone blocking scheme. The Florida Gators do. So when it comes to a zone blocking scheme, the guys that you really need to win their one-on-one matchups are the guys on the interior of the defensive line. So that means Alex Boogie Huntley, Tonka Hemingway, TJ Sanders, Nick Barrett when he's in the game, those guys have got to win their battles against these interior Florida offensive linemen. Now, the good news for South Carolina is they have faced this kind of rushing attack before. A team that prides itself on its ground game, or at least is trying to create an identity surrounding their ground game, and one that employs a lot of zone-blocking run plays. And that team was Mississippi State back in week four. They had to face, uh, I think, Woody Marks in the backfield for the Bulldogs. And the Bulldogs, again, you know, they're an SEC football team. So, sure, they might not have necessarily the best talent on paper up front, but they're still SEC offensive linemen nonetheless. And South Carolina, they managed to shut the ground game down that night. It was the one positive, really, the one main positive takeaway from that game when it came to the Gamecocks defense. Now they're going to be facing a similar kind of attack with the Florida Gators, a team that for the most part likes to run a lot of outside zone run plays where they're not necessarily always trying to bounce it to the edge. But again, they are operating in unison. They're all moving horizontally to one side of the field. And they're basically just hoping that their running back, whether it's Etienne or Johnson, is going to find a hole at some point and can just make that one cut and burst right on through that gap. The Gamecocks did a great job of not allowing that to happen against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Against the Gators, it might be a bit more challenging because... This is a running back room that I think is much more deeper and talented than what Mississippi State offered a couple weeks back, and I think this is a much better offensive line. Now, granted, Austin Barber, one of the best offensive linemen for this Gators football team, they just announced, I believe on Wednesday, he's not going to be playing in this game. So that is one less guy that you will have to worry about, although you never want it to play out that way. That's just the bottom line. And Trevor Etienne, he did not play last week against the Vanderbilt Commodores for the Gators. So... He is off the injury list this week, but the question that I'm going to have is, especially considering the position he plays, is ETN playing at 100% or are we going to see a lot more Montrell Johnson in this game? In my opinion, if you had to make me answer the question of which running back offers the biggest challenge for South Carolina, I would probably say Trevor ETN. I think Montrell Johnson, he's kind of more of like a bigger Mario Anderson Jr. in the sense that, again. He's got a lot of sheer power and a lot of really good, um, a real proportioned body when it comes to the frame that he carries. So, either way you slice it, for South Carolina, a big key in this game when it comes to stopping the rushing attack for the Florida Gators is going to be the play of their interior defensive linemen. If those guys can step up and force Graham Mertz to have to make a lot more passes, 3rd and 8+, 3rd and 10+, 3rd and 12+. plus. If they can do that, kind of like they did against Mississippi State a few weeks back and not get completely fooled by play action several times, then this Gamecock defense, I think, is going to have a decent day. If they can't do that, however, then that basically means that the Florida Gators offense is going to be able to do what they want to do throughout the entire football game And that is not what South Carolina's defense needs to have happen. It is something they have struggled to prevent from happening so far this season. They've got to turn the tide and change that starting this week. And considering the fact you're playing at home and you've had an extra week to prepare for this game, um, there's not really a whole lot of excuses to be had, quite frankly. So that's what South Carolina's going to have to do if they want to slow down Florida's ground attack. Now, of course... Part of the um, solution that can fix that kind of problem when it comes to a rush defense is bringing in high school football players that are going to fit the mold of the kind of defense that you want to have out there. And one of those guys was Jalewis Solomon from the 2024 class for South Carolina. And of course, we all remember how his recruitment ended back in early August. At least we all thought that it came to an end in early August, but Jalewis Solomon He made a pretty big announcement a couple days ago that could mean that South Carolina is right back in the hunt for his signature. We'll touch on that recruitment in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is also brought to you by prize picks prize picks is one of the newest sponsors for the locked on podcast network really excited to have them along the journey with us prize picks is really really cool because it's basically a fantasy sports app that's super easy to use for everyone that signs up for it you can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds you have quick withdrawals easy gameplay and an enormous selection of players and stat types to choose from which is why a lot of people consider prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. So go to prizepicks.com slash lockdown college and enter promo code lockdown college for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash lockdown college and promo code lockdown college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome back to today's edition of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, to cap off this Thursday edition of Lockdown Gamecocks, let's talk about a real interesting development on the recruiting trail for Shane Beamer and South Carolina's football team. As former Auburn defensive back commit to Lewis Sullivan, officially decommitted from the Tigers and is now back on the high school football recruiting market. I don't know why I said it like that, but we're just going to roll with it. Point being, Jalua Solomon decommitted from Auburn a couple days ago. and This is a big deal for South Carolina because Jalua Solomon, for the longest time, was one of the top defensive back targets for touring Gray, Clayton White, and the South Carolina coaching staff in the 2024 recruiting cycle. Now, for those of you that follow recruiting very closely, again, I'm sure you all remember what happened in early August. We got to August 5th, Louis Solomon's original commitment date. Solomon coming to that day, most of the recruiting experts out there, I felt like, and I think even our own Brian Smith, Locked On's resident recruiting insider, we all felt like that Solomon was going to end up going to the Gamecocks on that day. And of course, that's not the way it played out. First, it was going to be, I think, he was going to announce around 4 o'clock, and then it was 4.30, and then it became 5 o'clock, and there was still no announcement, and then a little bit around 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Julius Solomon surprisingly announced a commitment to the Auburn Tigers. There were a lot of rumors that swirled after that, a lot of rumors maybe surrounding a very late NIL deal that got put in place for Julius Solomon. But despite what all happened then, none of that matters now because Julius Solomon has decommitted from Auburn. So what does this mean for South Carolina? Well, the simple answer is that I think this means that South Carolina they're going to get another shot. It's been reported by a couple of other people in the recruiting industry this week that apparently Lewis Salmon does plan to make a visit to South Carolina, which would be a pretty big deal because, obviously, with the timing of all of this, if he's decommitting from Auburn in the middle of this week and then going to Columbia this upcoming weekend, I think that says pretty much who the leader is in the clubhouse at this point in time. Now, obviously, we also do need to take into account that, based on what happened back in August, that we cannot guarantee that Julius Solomon's going to end up in Safcon's recruiting class at the end of the day. But again, this would be a huge, huge pickup for the Gamecocks if they are able to get Lewis Solomon, because you look back at what Safcon's got going on at the cornerback position right now, a position that Lewis Solomon could end up playing. The Gamecocks have a couple of vets at the outside corner spot in O'Donnell Fortune and Marcel Style. Marcel Style is gonna be leaving excuse me. He is gonna be leaving the program no matter what once the 2022 season officially concludes. And O'Donnell Fortune, should he decide to come back, I believe he's only got one more year of eligibility, maybe two, but I think it's just one. So you got a lot of veteran experience at that spot and some turnover that's going to take place very soon at that outside corner spot. And then you look at Nickel Corner. This has been a revolving door for South Carolina this season up to this point. You had Kenny Nelson Jr. start as your nickel corner in week one against North Carolina. We all know what happened in that game. Massive rash of injuries for the defense. Kenny Nelson Jr. was one of the guys that had to exit that football game. We've not seen him since. David Spalding, he has been dinged up all season long. Really feel bad for him at this point because his entire career pretty much in Columbia has been plagued by injuries. And that has remained the case so far this year. Nick worry was South Carolina's nickel corner in week five against Tennessee. Now, obviously, part of that's due to the fact that Jalen Kilgore has been a fantastic revelation for the Gamecocks at that safety spot, has been one of the top defenders for the Gamecocks so far this season. And so you clearly want to try to find a way to get all of your best 11 players out there on the football field. But Nick worry at the same time, I just don't know if he necessarily fits as a nickel cornerback in this defense. So getting a guy like Lewis Solomon, who has the size to play outside corner, but also has the skill set of a guy that can play nickel corner, a guy that can play closer to the box, a guy that can help set the edge, a guy that can help you in rush defense. Those are the kind of defensive backs that this coaching staff has been recruiting up to this point. You look at a guy like Brayden Lee in the 2024 recruiting class that Safcon still has committed right now, Brayden Lee He's got the same kind of mold. He doesn't have the exact size that Jalewis Solomon has, but he's a guy that really tries to set the tone when it comes to his play in rush defense. So the point here is that Jalewis Solomon, he's the kind of guy that these coaches have been looking for all along in this recruiting class. And based on what we've seen happen up to this point in the 2023 season, at that nickel corner and also the outside corner spot, the Gamecocks need to get some more dudes at the cornerback position. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. They've been doing a fantastic job recruiting safeties, bringing in Nick Evanworthy, DQ Smith, Jalen Kilgore, Kelvin Hunter at the rate this is all going. He'll probably be a freshman All-American when 2024 comes around. That's all great. However... You've got to get more pure cornerbacks in this football program. You can't do what Will Muschamp essentially started to do late in his tenure and recruit so many safety prospects that you start basically playing safeties as cornerbacks. You do not want to end up in that same kind of situation if you're Torian Gray, Clayton White, and this defensive coaching staff. So getting a guy like Jalilus Solomon would help you a significant deal in this situation. So, point being... Keep an eye out on Julius Solomon for the rest of this recruiting cycle. Who knows? If this visit this upcoming weekend goes really, really well for the Gamecocks, maybe he just turns around and just makes his decision right then and there and decides to flip to South Carolina. Again, cannot promise that. There's still plenty of time before early National Signing Day takes place, and I believe that for this year, early National Signing Day is between the days of December 20th through the 22nd. So, a long couple months... To take place still with this recruitment. But Jalua Solomon back on the market when it comes to the high school football recruiting front. And you know that South is going to be a major player in that recruitment moving forward. So with all that being said, that is going to do it for today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are your thoughts on Graham Mertz from the Florida Gators? Do you think that there are certain challenges that he could provide for the Gamecocks defense that they're going to have to account for? And when it comes to the Gators' ground attack, how do you think the Gamecocks need to go about slowing it down this time around? And what are your thoughts on Julius Solomon decommitting from Auburn and now the Gamecocks seemingly have another chance to get back in that recruitment let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on youtube or should be direct message on twitter at a line underscore sc if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app once again thank y'all so much for tuning in have a great rest of your thursday and i'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the locked on game couch (laughs) podcast